All right, TKO fans, welcome back to the Technical Knockout Hardcore Casual MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Hussein. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Patrick James. You know what we do here. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go over the uh, last week's card, Rodriguez versus Lemos, real quick. And then we're going to talk about the stacked UFC 281, break down a few good fights on there, and touch up on a few other fighters that uh, we're excited to see return to the octagon. Stay tuned with us, and uh, let's get the spread. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's break down that uh, that last fight card. It was a good one, man. Oh, t- you know, dude, I should have went three and zero. I should have went three and zero. I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now. If we're gonna jump in, I they should not have stopped it. And I know exactly what you're gonna say. Yeah, but they should not have stopped it. They should. She deserved to go get. She deserved to get knocked out. I I hate. I love. I I get what people are gonna say, and like they're protecting her. I'm like, okay, people deserve to get KO'd. They don't deserve the follow-up two to three shots that follows that. That's the protection part of it. But getting yeah. knocked out, that's a part of the game, and she deserved to be able to fight back from that. Chances are she'd have gotten knocked out, but I think she would have came back and, you know, at least, you know, survived to the end of the round. But Yeah, I agree. I oh, think really? okay. uh, I think she could have took... I mean, they could have just let it go, like, three, four more punches. Uh, we're talking about the main event, Amanda, uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. Um, I, I feel like the stoppage was a little bit early, especially when I watched the replay. Uh, and I saw that, yeah, Lemos did hit her hard, uh, with the first punch and then with, uh, the two subsequent hooks, but then she just hits the arms, you know? And, uh, I just, I, I I hate to pull this card, but I really feel like if this was a, a men's fight, they probably wouldn't have stopped it there. And that's nothing on Jason Herzog. I believe he's the best referee in the game right now. I have a big praise for Jason Herzog. But I, everybody makes mistakes, and I think he made a mistake that night. Um, yeah. That being said, it, it was an awesome card regardless. It was 11 fights, and nine of them ended in a finish. So only two fights go to decision. On, you can't really be mad about that, you know? Um, Lemos did look good in that fight. She had an easy takedown in the second round, like how we thought it would be. Uh, third round, she rocked her there. And I, I would have loved to have seen Rodriguez come back from that. I think we could have been looking at an all-time great fight. But um, hey, it is what it is, you know. Uh, we ended up going two and one on the picks, though. Uh, we both picked Grant Dawson, and uh, we picked him in the third round. You picked him specifically by submission, which is how it ended up playing out. So huge ups on that. That was a crazy prop bet. If you guys followed that pick, it was probably like plus eighteen hundred. Uh, just the round three bet was plus eleven hundred. So a lot of money to be made on that pick. And then uh, we both picked Magny. Although I thought he was going to win a decision, he ended up getting the decision, uh, the submission at, at the end. Uh, pulled it out after losing two rounds to Daniel Rodriguez, who looked better than ever, honestly. But uh, Magni just proved to be that uh, perennial gatekeeper, and uh, he kept the gate, you know. But yeah, man, a pretty solid card. I do think that that main event stoppage was a little early. Uh, I thought Rodriguez was going to come back and win the fourth and fifth, so um, it sucks, but... It is what it is. Well, hey, you know who uh, who impressed me? I think you mentioned it either to me on the side or in something else. Uh, Grant Dawson, he impressed me. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was our that was one of our picks. Yeah, I do. I loved him at the. I loved him at the end where he said, "Hey, uh, I got sixth in state in high school wrestling my senior year, and I just out wrestled the Olympian." Yeah, in reference to like, I'm like, I like that. That hit me. I was like, "Oh man, I'm a, I'm about to share this with my like my my kids that I coach." I'd be like, "Hey." You know, you just don't stop and see where you get going. You know that that was that was fantastic. Yeah, it was a yeah. great performance, man. I was surprised he was able to take down Matson over and over like that. You know, and I expected him to wear it. him down with the striking, if anything. Yeah, it was impressive. He impressed. I, I look forward to see more things from him. I like yeah. seeing Neil Magny win too. That was that was nice. He's a humble cat. I want to see him do do better. But it was a good card. It really was. It was a good card. Yeah, man. Uh, with that win, Magny now has the most wins in UFC welterweight history. So the guy's been around for a while and has been active the whole time. So not surprised to see him get that record, but it is awesome to see it on paper, you know. Um, as far as Grant Dawson goes, I just in retrospect, it's such a uh, uh, what's the word predictable fight, you know? Like we were saying in the in the predictions video, Matson has a strong first two rounds and then falls off a cliff in the third round. And Dawson's a guy that turns it up in the third round and gets a lot of third round finishes. So I wish I would have hammered that 11 plus 1100 third round finish prop. But, uh, you know, I made money regardless. But either way, I could have, you know, we could have made a lot more. But hey, it is what it is. That's why you keep playing and you, know, you learn the game that way. Um, 
But uh, let's get down get down to this uh, this new fight card because uh, this one's a, a stacked one going in MSG in New York City, so close to home for me. Uh, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira in the main event. Super exciting matchup there. But we'll work our way from the bottom up. First fight I want to talk about is uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz versus Silvana gomez Juarez. Uh, this is a really solid matchup at Strawweight here. Uh, you've got the vet and former title challenger and Carolina versus the powerhouse and uh, Silvana gomez Juarez. Carolina's game plan is pretty well established at this point. She's a pressure striker with aggressive combos, and she's not afraid to take a shot to give one back. She's not really a knockout puncher, but has pretty good pop in her hands. Uh, she's good in the clinch, shows a decent ground game in the past, but it's definitely not her strength by any means. She's more of like a volume striker that outworks and outgrits her opponents. Very similar to like a Diaz-esque type uh, fighter where uh, they're going to wear you down and uh, take your best shot and still be in your face. Um, she was a perennial contender at 115 for a long time. Had a bit of a falling off, lost like four or five fights in a row, then took some time off and came back. Uh, I think it was after like three years or two and a half years, something like that. And she fought against uh, another aging vet in Felice Herrig in her last fight. Uh, she looked a lot better in that fight than she did before her time off. Uh, in that time, she changed her camp to AT&T, one of the best, or AT&T, uh, American Top Team, rather, one of the best uh, you know camps in the world right now. And uh, she even got her first submission in the UFC in that fight. So definitely showed some uh, new wrinkles to her game. And she looked in great shape, you know, like physically she's in a lot better shape than she's ever looked. She used to be like this little skinny girl. She looked like a, a little bit more muscle on her uh, in that last outing. That being said, uh, it was against uh, an over the hill Felice Herrig, uh, who retired after that fight and said that she was planning to retire whether she won or lost. So not exactly like a hot contender. That's like, you know, a win against her means a lot in this division. Uh, Carolina's fighting Silvana Gomez Juarez, who is on the wrong end of 40. She's 37 years old, uh, but she's not that old in fight years. You know, she hasn't had as much wars and experience as Carolina has. She's kind of young in the game and uh, she packs a huge power punch. Uh, the Argentinian fighter uh, lives by the jab and overhand right combo. She's vicious when she hurts her opponents. She always puts the, the gas on when she gets them hurt. She gets them wobbled and she'll uh, put them down after that. Um, so she definitely has that killer instinct. And honestly, I think she has some of the best power in her punches that I've seen at this weight class. Uh, we just saw last week Amanda Lemos with that huge power in her hands. Um, Lemos, the power, it, it, it's like surprising from her because she's not that uh, muscular. Uh, with Gomez Juarez, it's no surprise. You know, the, the, the woman is like, she's, she's built. Uh, she's got huge arms and a big chest, you know, so she, she really generates that power for that overhand right from there. Um, and she knows how to set it up too. It's not like she's just winging them. She likes to throw the jab to the body. She throws the jab to the head. Uh, even throw a couple like leg hooks, Dan Henderson or leg hooks, uh, leg kicks, Dan Henderson style. You know, like uh, kind of like that shuffle, shuffle H bomb. You know, um, so sometimes it is a little predictable, but she's been able to land in damn near every fight she's had in the UFC so far. So she clearly knows what she's doing in there. And uh, it almost always knocks out the other woman or rocks them really badly. Um, that being said, she's shown some really big holes in her ground game. Uh, she's been submitted in two out of the three UFC fights, uh, or it might have been two out of four. But either way, once she hits the ground, it, it's clear she she doesn't have much uh, to say down there. Uh, she she can hold on, but she's not really somebody that's going to get back up to her feet or uh, you know forget about her like finding a submission of her own. Um, I think that that might play into Carolina's game a little bit because, uh, you know, uh, Silvana gomez Juarez has shown that, that susceptibility to the grappling before. And uh, Kovalkiewicz is, is in a camp now that uh, is very good at game planning at ATT. And uh, they definitely can put together an offensive wrestling game plan you know, it's the exact type of thing that their fighters are known for. Guys like Colby Covington, 
guys like uh, Tyron Woodley to a certain extent, you know, uh, Mike Brown, the head coach over there, he made his career off his offensive wrestling. So uh, it's a very uh, like foreseeable outcome for Carolina. Uh, that being said, I, I don't think Carolina is really somebody that uh, has that tool in her pocket. She could surprise me, but in her whole UFC career, she only has two takedowns. And I, I said earlier, she's coming off that submission victory, the first one of her UFC career. But uh, it wasn't because she took down Felice Herrig. It was because uh, Felice won for a takedown against her and Carolina reversed it. So um, as far as like my prediction goes, I think Carolina is uh, someone who doesn't have great defense on the feet, maybe relies on her toughness a lot of the time. And I don't see that really going well against a powerhouse like Silvana. Um, I've got high hopes for Silvana if she can round out her game as far as her grappling goes. I think she can do big things in this weight class. And I can even see Carolina get in the sub if the fight does hit the mat. But I really think Silvana is just going to start hot and chin her. Uh, She's always kept her lead hand low. Carolina's always kept her lead hand low. And it even showed up in her last fight, the fight that she looked so good in. Uh, You know, Felice Herrig was able to land some hooks in that fight. And if Gomez Juarez can land any hooks, I think it's going to be a short night for Carolina. So ultimately, I think I'm going to play the under to play it safe, the under rounds. Uh, For some reason, they have it set at 2.5. I definitely see this fight ending in a finish on either side. But I'm going to sprinkle in a little prop bet on Silvana by first round KO just because I can see her chinning Kovalkiewicz early. Um, I, I hope not. I like Kovalkiewicz, you know. But uh, I just think this is a tough matchup for her at this point in her career. Uh, what do you think about this one, Jordan? Well, I don't miss Silvana too much. And I am always, you know, I'm pretty partial to the Argentinians. But I've seen Carolina and, um, you know, I know I've known about her for a while. And I've seen her and I think she is going under a bit of a resurgence. And I think it would be unwise to underestimate her. Um, you know, that submission, she got her first submission. That might just be a catalyst for her to be like, oh, I can round out my game you know what i'm saying sometimes you you need that first fluke knockout to realize oh i have power in these hands so you know we might be seeing a more evolved carolina um i do agree with pretty much everything you said though i do think that you i I think Silvana knocking out in the first round like you said is very you know it's very possible um i do want to just as far as for devil's advocate i'm gonna go with carolina maybe by decision and I say that she tries to out-wrestle her and maybe using that to open up her hands and starting to, you know, because her hands might not be as dangerous as Silvana, but maybe if she's more strategic about it, you know, evolving her game plan, she might be able to open up her hands a little bit more than Silvana and get her catching thinking about those shots and about worrying about getting taken down and getting getting submitted since, you know, she is coming off that first submission. You know, that's something that, Savannah now has to worry about if you know it had not gone that way she'd be like oh she can't so there's no no ground game I don't have to worry about this now that adds that wrinkle to Carolina's um you know arsenal that her opponents have to worry about so I'm gonna go with devil's advocate I'm gonna say um Carolina wins um if I was like you know if I'm feeling really really you know, uh, if I got like two or three bucks burning a hole in my pocket, I'd say Carolina by submission again, just to say, see if she can keep that streak going. I think that's a good prop for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, Carolina definitely has a, a path to victory in this fight. You know, like I said, she's had a really good uh, uh, camp right now with ATT. And, you know, those guys can put on a game plan better than anybody. So, I mean, she can definitely get it done. Uh, she's also very strong in the clinch. Uh, I mean, Gomez Juarez seems to be. Uh, pretty big for the weight class so I don't know if that's going to be a big tool for her in this fight but it is definitely a a factor you know she was able to bully the former champ Rose Namajunas in the clinch when they fought so I mean uh, Rose has always been a strong fighter at this weight class so I think Carolina might be able to exploit that uh, in Silvana Gomez Juarez but I just I I can't help but shake the feeling that her defense is just too poor and uh, Gomez Juarez is going to catch her early Um, but you know that being said I really, I really can't see it go either way. The odds have it as a pick 'em, so uh, I think I'm just going to bet the under two and a half. But for the juice pick, I'm going to take uh, Silvana by first round knockout. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited for that fight nonetheless. Um, going down the card, we've got another great matchup at uh, women's 125 this time. Uh, we're seeing Aaron Blanchfield take on the fan favorite and Molly Meatball McCann. 
Um, this fight features the biggest favorite on the card in Blanchfield in a fight where everybody thinks she's going to smoke Molly McCann. Uh, Blanchfield's a dominant grappler, has serviceable striking, but her ground game is really special at this weight. She was even able to dominate uh, Miranda Maverick, who's a very strong grappler in her own right, in her last, uh, or not in her last fight, but the fight before that. Um, Blanchfield seems to be a real prospect in this division, especially after Valentina showed to be controlled on the ground by both Tyler Santos and, to a certain extent, Jennifer Maya. Blanchfield certainly has the skill set to win rounds against the current champ. Molly has huge power in her hands, good boxing fundamentals, and a lot of heart. She loves that spinning elbow. It's got her two stunning finishes in a row now and two 50K bonuses. So, of course, she's going to fall in love with that. Uh, she has decent wrestling when she uses it. But uh, in her fights where she feels like her opponent is a better grappler than her, she'll just strike with them. Um, but, you know, if she thinks that she can mix in the wrestling, she definitely will. And she'll use that offensive wrestling to win rounds. Um, but I do expect this to play out as a typical striker versus grappler matchup. I think McCann's going to be able to surprise some people, maybe land a few shots on the feet. But ultimately, Aaron's going to be able to get this fight down to the ground and she'll be able to dominate or even finish the fan favorite in Meatball. Um, Blanchfield's mostly won by decision up to this point in her career, and Molly's a very tough customer. So I'll probably be taking Blanchfield by decision. But the level of competition that Molly's fought recently really does not stack up to Blanchfield's strength of schedule. You know, you look at the last two girls that both the, both of them have fought. Uh, Molly's fought Hannah Goldie and uh, Luana Carolina, who are honestly two of the worst fighters in this weight class and in the UFC period. And uh, Aaron Blanchfield's fought J.J. Aldrich and Miranda Maverick, who, in my opinion, are very underrated uh, and super tough women to put away in this weight class. So uh, Blanchfield got it done against both of them. And for that reason, I think I'm going to go with Blanchfield uh, by method of victory, double chance, similar to how I had Kyle Baraglio a few weeks ago. I'm going to take Blanchfield by submission or decision. I don't really see her getting a knockout finish over Molly. Like I said, Molly's super tough. So, I mean, if they do get to a position that she can't get out of and she just ends up like uh, ground and pounding her, I think uh, if anything, it'll just open up Blanchfield open for a submission or that Molly would be able to tough it out and Blanchfield to win the decision that way, a lopsided decision. Similar to the Miranda Maverick fight that we saw last week against Shanna Young, where she just wrestled her over and over and over. Uh, I think Blanchfield's going to be able to get it done by that method of victory. What do you think about this one, Jordan? Um, I actually agree with everything you said. I think I think you're more likely going to see a decision um, rather than a submission. I think you know McCann still is a pretty tough customer, but... I would, I, I, I'm gonna take, uh, you know, Aaron, you know, by decision, mm-hmm. but or at least money line, and then I would say I'm probably put up, I'll put a. Is there some kind of crazy prop of uh, Molly McCann putting her way by spinning via spinning back elbow? I don't think you can bet on the specific strike, but by KO, I'm sure it's a, it's a good Man, money prop. Should, if there, if there is, I'd throw a dollar on that and be like, hey, just in case, you know. Yeah, they get three so, in a row, right? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's a self fulfilling prophecy, going for that hat trick. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. money line, I'm going to go Aaron. That would be something to see for sure. It'd definitely be the first time in UFC history that somebody landed that same strike three times in a row to get a finish. Um, I mean, it's not impossible. Blanchfield is kind of... Just know, just know, TKO fans, if that happens wherever I'm at, I will be losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the more exciting outcome, you know? Um, McCann is uh, definitely a huge fan favorite, so you know the, the crowd is going to be behind her. Uh, even though Blanchfield is the American and they're fighting on American soil, um, you got to figure the crowd's going to be behind Molly McCann. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that McCann gets it done. Blanchfield was kind of getting pieced up on the feet against JJ Aldrich in her last fight. But like I said, I really highly rate JJ Aldrich. I think she's a, a phenomenal fighter at this weight class. Uh, great jab, good wrestling defense as well. And she was able to keep Blanchfield off of her for most of the fight which is something that I don't think McCann's going to be able to do. Um, uh, Blanchfield did end up getting the submission in that fight, but it was off of a guillotine that she caught in a clinch. So it was kind of like a Brian Ortega-esque finish where it was a standing guillotine. Um, I mean, that's not to say she can't do that against Molly, but I think she'll be able to just take her down the normal way and uh, get a finish on the ground that way. Uh, Either way, um, I think this is a great piece of matchmaking here. You know, Uh, best case scenario... Or I mean, in either scenario, whoever wins, you're going to see a big stock elevation in this fight. 
either Blanchfield takes out a big name and a dominant performance, uh, or Molly McCann keeps her hype train rolling and takes out a very legit promising contender at 125. And you got to figure out that's going to put her damn near a title shot or at least a top five opportunity if she gets the victory here. So great piece of matchmaking from the UFC guys. Uh, I'm going to have to ultimately take Aaron Blanchfield, but um, yeah, it's going to be a good fight nonetheless. So let's get down to the uh, main card. We've got some really good matchups on here. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is the fan favorite and the end of yeah, a round robin. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, man. We got Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler at the lightweight division. couple fighters that uh, if you've been a fan of the sport for the last you know five or ten years, you've definitely seen and heard their names. Um, you know, we don't really have to tell you too much about these guys, but we're going to do what we always do and assume, you know, nothing about the two fighters, Dustin Poirier, great striker, volume striker has a very well-rounded game, you know, good jujitsu when he uses it, but definitely butters his bread with his boxing combinations, his pressure, his pace, his volume, um, has good power as well, for sure. Definitely can hit very hard, uh, but not really a first round knockout kind of guy. Really more of a wear you down and then finish you when you're tired kind of guy, uh, which can play very well in his strengths against Michael Chandler, who's uh, a front runner by every means. Um, he was a longtime Bellator lightweight champion, so has plenty of uh, championship experience. Um, but Chandler is one of those dudes that will try to smoke you in one round. He surprises a lot of guys with his explosiveness and his power in that first round and uh, will catch a lot of guys sleeping like that. Um he does have a great wrestling pedigree that he can rely on in his back pocket, and he's used it to win fights before, so it's not like something that he's afraid to do. Uh, in the UFC career, though, it's he's definitely leaned more into that uh, explosive striker, fan-friendly style. Uh, in this fight, it's uh, polishing off that round robin of fan favorites at 155 between Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, and Dustin Poirier. Um, personally, I think that it's going to end up one and one on every side and Chandler's going to get the win on Saturday. I just love him at underdog odds in this fight uh, against Poirier, whose hips have been surgically repaired and he's never really been great at defending takedowns regardless. Um, I think Chandler might be able to get some success in the wrestling. And if he doesn't, I can definitely see him catching Poirier cold in the first round. Poirier's always been a slow starter, always turns it up in the second and third. Uh, but, you know, he lost his first and second round against guys like Dan Hooker, um, against guys like, uh, you know, Gaethje as well. So, I mean, if this was a five round fight, I would be taking Dustin with no hesitation. But I think in three rounds, I think Chandler's wrestling and explosive enough, explosiveness, explosiveness will be enough to either get a finish or win like a 29-28 decision. Uh, if it does go to the third round, I think Poirier wins that round and may even get a finish in that round. But I'm not sure that it gets there. You know, uh, Dustin's been hurt in the first and second round before in his career. And like I said, he's a bit of a slow sp starter. And Chandler likes to surprise guys with that explosiveness. So I can see Chandler getting an early knockout here or even wrestling his way to a decision victory. Uh, either way, I'm going to go Chandler money line. I think they got it at plus 180 right now. So pretty good value on that. Uh, what are you thinking about this one, Jordan? Yeah, um, for me, I actually think that. So first off, I am very biased. And I, you know, I love uh, you know Iron Mike Chandler. He's one of my favorite fighters active right now. Um, but you know, even putting that aside, I think this is a send off for Dustin um, for him being in the top 10, 5, 10 conversation. Um, I think he's always going to be kind of an elite fighter if he wants to stay active and keep fighting. But I think this is like two of the guys that are on their way to being those like grizzled kind of vets. And only one of them can really make a legitimate run um, at the top and maybe, you know, dethrone Islam. And it, it is not going to be Dustin Poirier. Um, I think just like you said, Dustin's a slow starter. I think uh, Mike's going to come out very strong. I think you're going to see him be a little bit more evolved after, you know, he's had, you know, a couple fights now in the UFC. And he's able to kind of maybe match up his style. He's a very smart individual, so I can see him you know, starting to. You know, it's just once you start getting into that competition, you know, he's I think he's a riser. So I, I think he's going to be able to take care of it. 
I think Dustin's going to get go out in the second. I think Dustin's going to go out in the second. I think the next fight he takes is probably going to be that money fight against a returning McGregor or something like that. Um, because he's already half Dustin. He Dustin's half in, half out anyway. You know, he's like, I might run for it. I might go to welterweight, or I'm kind of in, or any of that. You know, Mike Iron Mike is like, I'm going for the championship. Like yeah. that's that's my goal. That's where I'm at. And like that's a killer instinct. If you go in like halfway against a guy that is like a killer and he's like you're just in the way of something then you know that's that just adds a little bit more to it you know he wants a title so i'm gonna have to take dust i'm gonna say i'm gonna take mike money line and then probably put another like dollar or two on him finishing it in the second yeah i think uh i think that's a good bet um i could see him catch him in the first or the second I'm sure you can get good odds on that because he's an underdog money line, so they probably have really good props on him to win in the first or second round. Um, I agree with you. I think Chandler's going to get it done. I just, I, I think Poirier might be over the hill at this point. Not to say that you know Chandler's not over the hill, but uh, I agree with you that I think his uh, his skill set might just play into his favor in this three round fight, and uh, I could see him catching Dustin early. You know, at least uh, before he starts to really warm up. Um, that being said, I might sprinkle a $5 bet on Poirier by third round finish just cause I could see him, you know, breaking down, a, a an old and tired Michael Chandler, uh, in that third round. And ultimately Chandler's two UFC victories have been against very, uh, uh, on the way out guys and Hooker and Ferguson. He went um, three rounds with Gate. He went three rounds with Gagey though. Yeah, that's true. And I thought that he would get knocked out in that fight. So they could have I mean, they could have kept going too. They were they were they were ready and willing to swing another two rounds. Yeah, they they definitely fought on their own pace in that fight. You know, like where they were comfortable just like trading shots and waiting for the other guy to recover before going in for another one. Um, that being said, yeah, I, I got Chandler in this fight. I think he gets it done either by way of his wrestling or just by catching Dustin Cold early. Um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome fight regardless. I mean, regardless of how this fight plays out, even if it's like a fight of the year contender, like how some people are, uh, you know, picturing it, I uh, I really hope that the winner does not get a title shot. I think that this weight class has a lot of really great up-and-comers that deserve that shot more. Guys like Benil Dariush, uh, even Volkanovski, I think deserves the shot more than Chandler or Poirier. You know, both these guys have had their shots at the title and lost, so... I'd like to see some new blood in that uh, title fight uh, picture. But um, <clears throat> that being said, if the winner fights somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Demir Ismagulov or Armand Sarukian or Rafael Faziev and they win that fight, then there's no doubt in my mind that they deserve a title shot. But as it stands, I think their ratings are kind of their rankings are kind of inflated just off of their name value. Uh, so I hope that they don't get a title shot off of this victory. But uh, I got Chandler in this one, getting it done. Let's uh, take a quick break. Hey, man, gra- yeah, grab you some water. Yeah, I'm going to grab some water, and then we'll jump into the uh, co-main event real quick. Be right back. And we're back. All right. <clears throat> so let's get into this co-main event. Um, an awesome women's strawweight title fight. You know, this is the weight class that we always talk about as the best women's weight class for sure. Leagues ahead of the other two or the other three, if you want to count 145. Uh, women's strawweight has always been a very exciting weight class. You've got fighters like Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, uh, Amanda Lemos and Marina Rodriguez, Yan Shao Nan. Mackenzie Dern and the two women that are fighting in this main event, Carlos Barza and Weili Zhang. Um, fantastic fighters, both of them. Carlos Barza, the hard-nosed wrestler, American wrestling style, freestyle or folk style wrestling rather, where she's able to scramble and maintain position. Maybe not the best ground and pound artist, although if she does get to that crucifix or side control position, she can be very dominant from there. Wei Li Zhang, on the other hand, a powerhouse, uh, very well-rounded game plan, great wrestling defense, great offense in her wrestling when she decides to use it, but she's really a fantastic Muay Thai striker, um, 
a, a excellent left hook to right body kick. And when she switches stance, right hook to left body kick, great jab. Um, just a very, you know, po- polished striking acumen from Wei Li Zhang and power in every position. She was able to put away Yoani and Jacek in her last fight, was able to knock out Jessica Andrade, something that we haven't seen pretty much anybody else do at that weight class. Uh, and she did it in record time in like 40 seconds or something like that, something crazy. So, you know, the power is definitely on Wei Li's side. The finishing is definitely on Wei Li's side. But you, you can't count Carla out. She's such a, a tough and gritty fighter. And she finds a way to win in these fights. You know, she's on a six or seven fight win streak. And that's by no mistake. You know, she's a hard worker fighter. So um, I think everybody expects Wei Li to come in and murder Carla. Uh, I'm getting big Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling two vibes from this matchup. Not to say that I'm not picking Wei Li. I just think people are largely underrating Carla as they always do. Um, <clears throat> she's a very tough wrestler like I said she finds a way to win but you know Whaley has that style that's just very good against this type of fighter she's a phenomenal anti-grappler and when she does get to the ground she's shown a very active guard I remember in her uh, first or second fight in the UFC uh, when I first saw her she fought uh, I think it was Jessica Aguilar and Aguilar was getting beat up on the feet so she took her down Whaley accepted the guard got a triangle and started unleashing elbows on Aguilar's forehead while she was stuck in the triangle. Uh, she ended up finishing that that submission, I think, with a triangle armbar. But when she stands up, you see this like <clears throat> this line on her stomach of just blood from like her belly button down. And it's all Jessica Aguilar's blood from eating those elbows in that position. And it was just such a fucking metal image. Like I, I really, I was sold on Wei Li as soon as I saw that fight. I was like, this girl's a monster. Hey, like, this is a this is a family show, Hussein. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it was like, it was just so vicious, dude. Like, you know, like clearly she has amazing striking. Uh, and then to have that like ground game in her back pocket, or at least that active guard in her back pocket, um, just a super well-rounded game from Whaley. And um, she's more than likely going to get it done here, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to take her by finish. I think uh, I could see her catching Carla in a submission at one point. Maybe if Carla's tired and goes for a takedown and gets wrapped up in something. I really do feel like Whaley's grappling game is un- underrated. But the most likely outcome is going to be Whaley by knockout. Her power is seemingly unmatched at 115. And uh, the submission's not impossible. But that power has been something that Carla has struggled with in the past. Uh, if Carla does win... I really don't see her getting a finish by any means, but she can definitely run down the clock on a few rounds and win a decision that way. I don't see it happening, but you know, Rose was able to take down Whaley a few times in their second fight and win the decision that way. Um, that being said, she was able to use her striking to set up those takedowns, something that I don't think Carla's really going to be able to afford. Her striking doesn't have the same threat as Rose, so... I don't know if she's going to be able to set up her takedowns as easy. She, we might see her diving on the legs a few times. Uh, <clears throat> very similar to her first fight or to her fight with Joanna, where she's kind of desperate for the takedown and predictable in that sense. Um, I think uh, even if the fight does go to decision, the way that the uh, judges are scoring fights these days where damage is so much worth more than volume or control, uh, it's just a scoring criteria that benefits Zhang style so much where Carla is going to need to genuinely dominate grappling in order to win rounds. And with such a strong fighter like Whaley across from you, I just don't see it happening. Uh, Whaley money line seems to be the play because I don't know if she'll get the finish or the decision, but I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on her by finish for fun. Uh, this is the biggest underdog I've seen a champion slotted in in a long time. Um, the, the closest thing I can remember was when uh, Juliana Pena won the belt against Nunez. And uh, she was a big underdog for Nunez to get her belt back. Uh, even still, I think they had Pena at like a plus two fifteen or plus two thirty. They've got Yoan, or they've got uh, Carla at plus three hundred right now. So uh, a lot of people are writing her off. But what do you think, uh, Jordan? How do you see this one playing out? So I'm gonna go ahead and preface this with that. Um, say I was one of the ones that I really did wrote, uh, write Carla off after Yoan took the belt so viciously and you know i kind of stopped paying attention to her after that um you know as i got back into it and start you know looking back and seeing like some of the the wars that she's been in you know that's not a fair judgment she's listening i apologize don't hurt me 
<laughs> but she's definitely evolved her game. And, um, you know, but with that being said, I think Wei Lee is going to take her head off. Um, I am of the mind. I'm of the mind that Wei Lee is maybe like two or three, you know, different aspects of her game tightening up to be able to go on like a goat status. Every time I see her fighting, I'm like, she should be like a goat. She should be knocking people out left and right. It's just small little things. And I think that you'll see her evolve. I'm going to call it right now and say you're going to see her go on. A, she, after this, you're going to see her go on like a uh, a goat run. Um, I could see Carla. I, I get what you're saying. I could see Carla maybe grinding out a win if this was a three round fight. But yeah. I don't think Carla. I don't think Carla can get five rounds in Whaley. I don't think that she's going to be able to keep her down for five rounds. And I don't think that she's going to be able to, you know, not get hit. For five rounds and not get that power shot like you were saying where the where way lee has because she's strong and she's already pretty strong anyway so she doesn't have to do too much to um to develop a good takedown defense and keep it on the feet and you know put carla in a situation where she is clearly outmatched in the striking and power striking department yeah um so i'm gonna go with way lee by knockout probably uh, I said two to three, but I'm probably going to go over three. But I'll, I'll, I'll go um, I'll go Whaley Moneyline, and I'll probably put a little bit on it going over three Whaley by knockout. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I could see her wearing down Carla, like you said, and uh, Carla being desperate for those takedowns and just getting stopped on the feet from the power striker. Um, <clears throat> I think I could see it happening kind of quick, honestly. I think Whaley might be able to get it done in the first or second round. Uh, and we see her get that second round knockout like she did against Joanna, but against a much less seasoned striker in Carla Esparza. Um, I just don't really see a path to victory for Carla in this fight. I mean, that's not to say that there's no chance. You know, everybody has a chance. It's MMA. But uh, I think she really does need to grind her out. And I don't even think the judges really score that wrestling heavy game plan as well as they used to. So I'm going to go with Wei Lee here. I don't think Carla's going to be able to take her down. Wei Lee has a super strong base and has always been able to reverse takedowns and defend them. And even when she does get to the ground, like we said, she has a very active guard. So she might be able to even get a submission in this fight. But I'm going to take Wei Lee rounds one and two, um, you know, for my prop bet. Uh, ultimately, I'm just going to take her money line. But uh, for the juice play, I'm going to put her up rounds one and two. Um, I can see her definitely getting it done. I can see her getting it done early. And I think the round one and two prop is like plus 330 right now. So pretty good money on that, you know, for the minus 400 favor. If you can get our plus 330, I think that's a solid bet. So um, that's how I'm going to go with this one. Uh, let us know how you think about it in the comments, y'all. We're going to see a new uh, strawweight title, champ, a, stra- a new strawweight champion again. Is Whaley going to get her belt back? Or uh, you think Carla's going to right the wrong and do the impossible again and take out another fan favorite in uh, Wei Li Zhang. And uh, we'll get into this main event, man. This main event is looking fantastic. Just it's a phenomenal match. It's very, in- it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I want to hear what you what you think about this one, Jordan, because uh, this one is uh, it's a it's a storybook fight. You know the way. It yeah, it really out. it really is. It's like it's because I started looking up um, like a couple of the things popped up on my YouTube where um, like the uh, Sean Strickland interview where Alex was there and then like he's talking the whole thing and it's like like there's like a whole backstory behind this whole thing but I I I think it's gotten to Izzy. I think that he's really I think that he's really gotten gotten shook by this whole thing with Alex having Alex Pierre having, you know, two victories of him in a combat sport and getting knocked out and then having him come at him in this other sport that semi related but he's been able to form a, you know, you know, forge a you know near goat uh status for the middleweight division and then you got this guy that comes in and you know tears through these people and then he's got that 2-0 victory on the back 
You know, I think that might be actually getting to him. I think in most circumstances he'd be unshook, but I can see it that he might be taking. He even well, he even admits that he's like, yeah, there's there's a lot more to this than than just a fight, you know, than a title, and you know, it's a lot. And I think that might, you know, maybe freeze him up, or you know, a combination of that, and then seeing people like Usman who just pound for pound, headshot, dead, yeah, or um, even hey, his his boy Al- uh, Alex Volk. He got put in that um, that that guillotine by Ortega, where he even what he say he said that's I'm about to lose my belt deep, yeah. like so it happens and he's already experienced it through this man, so I think that he might be a little bit you know very like Anderson Silva, but after he got knocked out and a little bit cocky and just a little bit slower, like not so much slower but slower to where like against an elite fighter that's that's had experience against him you know, I think is going to be his downfall. So I'm, I might be going with Alex, you know, and by KO in round four. I, I'm i going to say and new, but I'm going to see what you have to say. You might be able to sway in my mind. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the champion here. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that's always picks against Izzy. It feels like uh, the only time I was right was when he fought Jan Blachowicz. Uh, I, although I thought that Rob won that second fight, but that's a discussion for another day. You know, we can break that down another time. Uh, but I think Izzy's just going to, I think he's going to dance around Alex. I think he's going to outwork him. He's not going to fall for his setups like a lot of these MMA fighters have done so far, uh, especially Sean Strickland, who, you know, gets my my award for worst game plan ever in a fight, uh, in that fight against Pereira. Because, you know, we've seen Strickland use his offensive wrestling before. And Pereira's looked completely lost on the ground in uh, every UFC fight and every MMA fight he's ever had. So uh, well, I was... just assume I just assume Sean Strickland's like that drunk uncle that just happens to like stumble into a UFC event and they're like, "Hey, pretty you're, much, like, yeah, you're hopping in." Yeah, like, pretty right. much. He was like, "Yeah, I can knock this guy out." Yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay. yeah. But uh, you know, I I don't think Izzy's gonna fight that fight. You know, Izzy's a a very smart fighter. Uh, he knows how to win these wins the uh, win these fights. You know, he he always finds a way to win, and he's he's always very measured in his attack. I don't see him getting goaded into that kind of uh, uh, like. But brawl. what if he doesn't have to be goaded? Yeah. What do you mean? You think Alex is uh, like in his head right now? No, no. I mean, like, what if Izzy's trying to go for the knockout? What if he's not trying to go for the win? You know, he's going for that like trying to put a stamp on it. Yeah, I mean, O2, you're you're two down against the guy. You know, he beat you in a really close one, which you obviously feel is like it's one it's one thing to like lose one very close one yeah. in one way. But then you lose two where like it's like, oh, you can be like, oh, they were both really close. It's like, yeah, but one you you know got beat and the other one you got like knocked out. Yeah. Like so you're you you like, you know, he might want to be able to put it like a definitive like, hey, you're not on my level, you know, go to the back of the line. Yeah, I think he he definitely wants to put a stamp on the performance, but I don't think that's going to get in the way of him winning because I think Izzy's one of those guys like Anderson or like uh, even to a certain extent, somebody like uh, uh, who's that champ that was playing it safe for a while? George St. Pierre. Yeah, yeah. George St. Pierre would, you know, like play to his opponent's weaknesses rather than play to their strengths. You know, he's not like a John Jones guy who's like, I'm going to beat you at your game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Izzy's going to let his ego get in the way. You know, I think he 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 takes the the W more than anything more serious, you know? So well, I think... So how do you think, how do you think Izzy's going to get it done if they, if they go to a primarily striking battle and, you know, Alex has proven that he can either, like match him and beat him in a primarily striking battle? Well, like, here's the Izzy's thing. Gonna right? have to imp- go ahead. I, I don't think it has to be a primary striking battle, you know? Izzy has a, a well-rounded game in MMA, and he's this is his house, you know? He's been fighting MMA a lot longer than Alex has been fighting. Like I said, Alex has shown some very, very porous ground defense in the past, and Izzy's been able to out-wrestle, or maybe not out-wrestle, but defend takedowns against guys like Rob Whitaker and Kelvin Gaslam and Derek Brunson and all these great wrestlers at 185, so... Who's to say that he can't get a takedown on Alex Pereira? You know, I think we might see a similar performance to Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gan, where Izzy's going to feel him out in the striking, see if he can beat him there, and if he can't, he'll just take him down. Like you know, at the end of the day, he's been doing this sport a lot longer than Alex has been doing it, 
and he's done it at a much higher level. You know, the guys that Alex has fought have played into his game plan, or at least the people that, you know, uh, have, you know, given him the opportunity to get here in Sean Strickland. Um, so I, I just, I think it's Izzy's house. I think he's going to be able to outwork and out slick, uh, Pereira on the feet. You know, if you watch those kickboxing fights, it's a lot of Izzy winning points. And then Alex will land like a big shot here and there, you know, in that first fight, I really felt like Izzy won. I thought that was a robbery in the second fight. Izzy was doing very well and even got a standing eight count against Alex. But then, you know, Alex just kind of put the fucking burners on and knocked him out. So, I mean, obviously that's the way that the fight ended. So it's possible for Alex to knock him out again. Um, But I'm not going to be surprised if Izzy shoots for a takedown in this fight, man. I think he I think he has the the well-rounded MMA game. It's an MMA fight at the end of the day. He has the the tools in his back pocket. And even if he does play it as a kickboxing match, I think with the big cage, with the small gloves, you know, Pereira has that like that that shell that a lot of kickboxing guys have where they use the gloves to defend most of the shots. I think Adesanya can hit him with some clean shit, man. He has a lot of space to backpedal. He has a cage, not a ring, so he has more angles to attack from. And uh, I just, I, I feel like Izzy's a smart fighter. I think he's going to game plan very well. And if he doesn't do well in those striking exchanges, he can get the fight to the ground if he really wants to, you know? I, I just think he has too many tools in his pocket and he's too smart to get caught by those left hook setups. So I've got Izzy winning by decision in this one. I don't think he gets a finish. I think Pereira's pretty tough. Um, and uh, I just I think Izzy's gonna get it done, man. I think this the the more proven dude, and uh, just like I said, really doesn't give a shit if the crowd doesn't like the fight. He just wants to win. You know, we saw that in that Cannoneer fight. We saw it in the Whitaker fight. He doesn't care about what the crowd thinks. He cares about what the judges think. So um, I can see Izzy finding a way to win in this one and getting that decision victory. That being said, it's possible that Alex knocks him out. You know, he might just have his number right. You know. Uh, if he does get it done, I could see it happening in the first three rounds. I think as the fight goes on, it's going to play into Izzy's favor. Um, you look at the kickboxing fights that Pereira's had, and you know a lot of kickboxing matchups are three three-minute rounds, or at the most five three-minute rounds. And at the end of the day, that's maximum fifteen minutes. You know, so Pereira's never even really been in a twenty-five-minute fight like that, and uh, Izzy's been there multiple times. So. If it does get to that fourth and fifth round, I think Izzy's going to break away at that point. And if he can win one of the first three rounds and then just win that fourth and fifth, that's it. That's all he needs, you know, 48-47 Israel Adesanya and still. That's how I'm seeing this fight play out, but I've been wrong before. Um, I'm not even a huge Izzy fan. Odds are pretty close. Yeah, odds are pretty close. They got Izzy at like a minus 180, I think, right now. Um, So you can get some value on uh, Pereira by knockout. Uh, or Izzy by decision, if you like that that pick. Uh, they have like a prop bet on like method of victory double chance alternate. So it would be for Pereira to win by knockout or Izzy to win by decision. I think that's like minus 200. I think that's a good bet too. But I'm going to ultimately just go with Izzy Moneyline. Uh, I think he gets it done probably by decision, but he might get a late finish. But I, I, I do think it's going to be by decision. I just I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pull out his wrestling in this game in this uh in this fight here because you know like I said you look at Alex's fights in the UFC against that first guy he fought Mitchell Latus uh he looks like a fool on the ground you know he gets taken down in the first round and just lays on his back second round he gets a flying knee and it's like okay like you got the flying knee that's awesome you know what I mean great finish but that's kind of like one of those you know once in a once in a blue moon shots, you know what I mean? Um, against Bruno Silva, a dude who is super tough and has a well-rounded game. Bruno really played into Alex's strengths by having a striking fight and was able to take a lot of those shots from Alex. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Izzy will be able to take those shots too. I mean, he did get knocked out by Pereira before, so it's, it's possible that Pereira knocks him out again. But uh, I just, like I said, I think this is Izzy's house and uh, it's a different game now. You know what I mean? Not to mention that they're both older now. Pereira's the older fighter than Israel. And Izzy's always one of those dudes that improves fight to fight. He's fought in tough, dangerous strikers in MMA before. Maybe not guys with the striking acumen and setups as Pereira. But ultimately, Pereira is really looking for that left hook. 
And I'm positive that Izzy can be able to take it away with from him with the leg kicks and with the movement and with the jabs and the feints, you know. So I'm very excited for this fight. I think we're going to be looking at a very high level, uh, uh, you know, MMA fight, very high level striking fight, probably the highest level striking fight that's ever been in an MMA ring or at least in the UFC. Uh, so I'm super excited for it and I can't wait to see how it plays out. But ultimately, I'm going to take Izzy getting it done by decision. Who's God damn you, you uh. persuasive. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Izzy money line. If you it's wrong, your pick? If, if he, if, uh, yeah, I'm gonna change the pick. You can't. You, uh, I was on the fence about it, especially with it being so close. That was gonna be my like one where I'm like, I'm just gonna go with the underdog because it is so close. You I know, get the that. Risk might be just yeah, it might be the exact same. You know, a little bit more than reward. Um, but I guess if I'm gonna go with uh, with uh, trying to get our, our record up, I'm gonna go with Izzy Izzy money line. I would maybe put like a dollar on prayer and knockout um, or like I, th- I think Izzy by decision, like you're saying, is probably more likely. I think that's probably the most likely, but I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Alex be able to catch him. Yeah, I think he does have the power to put him away. And I think Izzy could get suckered into it. I think, uh, like I said, I know what you're saying. And normally I would agree with you, which is normally why I pick him. But this is like one of the few times that I'm not picking. Like I don't really want to pick Izzy, you know, for the exact reason. I think he could get very uncharacteristic in this fight. But I'm gonna, you know, you're right. He's proven. He's proven that he can do it. So I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll go with you and say Izzy money line. I think he'll be able to keep his composure and not uh, and be able to keep it in. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be better for the division if Pereira wins. You know, because ultimately, I'm a huge Robert Whitaker fan. And Robert Whitaker would wrestle a hole in Pereira's legs and chest, you know. He would just put him into the ground and grind him into dirt. And, uh, I mean, I think that's probably not something that Israel can do to that T. But if Pereira does get the victory and they make the Whitaker-Pereira fight, I, I, I'm i taking per- I'm taking Whitaker all day. Uh, that being said, I just feel like it's a little too quick, you know. I love the storyline. I love the storyline. You know, the guy only lost a couple times in kickboxing and two of them were to the same dude in Pereira. And now he comes to MMA. He dominates, becomes a champion, has a long reign. And Pereira switches his whole sport, goes to MMA, does well, and gets three fights in a row in the UFC. Now he's hunting for that title against uh, Adesanya. And I, it's just like, it's one of those storybook fights. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, this is real life. And uh, it doesn't always work out how the storybook wants it to work out. I think Israel is going to get it done. I think he's going to play the, uh, I mean, it's not an upset because this is his house, but I think he's going to write the course and get that victory against Pereira that has eluded him his whole career. And uh, yeah, I think it's probably going to be by decision, but uh, we'll see how it plays out, man. It's a, it's a very exciting fight, super high level matchup on the feet. Both of them are, you know, very well versed in throwing feints and setting up their strikes, setting up their power shots. Uh, but regardless, it's uh, it's going to be really exciting, man. I'm just I'm I'm really happy to see how it plays out, especially at Madison Square Garden in a huge ring and a huge crowd. Uh, it's going to be great, man. What a night of fights to look forward to, you know. Uh, let's move down to everybody's favorite part of the card, uh, the betting slip, uh, or favorite part of the video, rather. Uh, just going down the card and telling you our picks straight up. In the first fight that we talked about, Carolina versus uh, Silvana Gomez Juarez. I'm taking Gomez Juarez. Jordan's taking Carolina. In the second fight, Aaron Blanchfield versus Molly McCann. We're both in agreement that we're going to go with Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, in the next fight, Poirier versus Chandler. We're also in agreement that we're going with Chandler by Moneyline. Then in the co-main event, we both got Wei Lee. And in the main event, we've got Israel Adesanya on both sides. So uh, pretty in accordance with each other this card uh the one fight that we are disagreeing on is that prelimer uh between the women's strawweights and carolina kovacavich and silvana gomez juarez 
Um, yeah, but you talked you talked me into the other one. So I mean, if I lose money on that one, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> nice little protection play, you know. Uh, there are a couple of uh, fighters that I wanted to gloss over real quick that are fighting on this card that are coming back from uh, long layoffs. Uh, Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spann. Uh, it's going to be a, a super interesting fight there, but uh, you know, just uh, uh, an offensive. Uh, meat grinder in Dominic Reyes versus another one in uh, Ryan Span. Ryan Span's shown some defensive capabilities or susceptibilities, rather. So I could see Reyes getting it done in this fight. He really needs the victory here. He's coming off of uh, three losses against three dudes that are super strong in this weight, and you know, um, all title holders at one point. And you know, John Jones, Jan Blahovich, and Yuri Perhashka. Also, guys that names all start with J. So he's getting a break here against a guy whose name starts with an R, who's never held a belt in the UFC. So uh, a little bit of a step down for Dominic Reyes, and we can hope that he gets it done, uh, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I think he's a great guy, and I'd like to see him work his way back up to the title if possible. Um, the other fight that I want to gloss over real quick is uh, a potential uh, sending off to the glue factory for uh, Frankie Edgar, my favorite fighter of all time, bar none, Jersey boy. And uh, just a great representation for heart and determination in the sport. Resilience, you know. Um, he's coming into this retirement fight against Chris Gutierrez. Uh, another guy that's trained out of Jersey in the past, uh, out of Jersey City. Uh, so a lot closer to home for me than I'd like it to be. Uh, Chris Gutierrez is a great fighter. Great leg kicks. Great power in his shots. A little bit of a slow starter. He usually gets a second or third round knockout if he gets it done. Um and Frankie Edgar, you know, the book's been wrote on him. Awesome offensive wrestler, volume striker, and just heart and determination and grit for days. Uh, I'd love to do a career retrospective on Frankie Edgar after this weekend because uh, this is going to be his retirement fight. Um, you know, just a storybook career that uh, I'd love to go up and down through uh, with you, Jordan, if you've got the time. Um, I, got all day for, I got all day for Frankie Edgar. Yeah, I hear you, man. I, I do think this fight's not going to end up great for him. I've got Gutierrez probably knocking him out in the second round. Hey, uh, hey, hey. If yeah. you're a real Frankie Edgar fan, you'll put $5 on him, and you'll just take whatever happens. Yeah. Okay, you will accept whatever happens, and you will say, I bet on you one last time. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy's made me a lot of money in my career so far. I made money against him or on him against Mendez. Uh, I made money on him against Yair Rodriguez. Um, Cub Swanson both times, but it's just I I just think it's done for him, man. Like he's like he said, he's retiring at this point. Um, prime versus prime, this is a matchup that he takes very easily, but it's just not his prime anymore. The guy's like forty one or forty two now, and just can't seem to really take a clean shot. And Cruz Gutierrez is one of those guys that finds the clean shots a lot easier than expected. So. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Gutierrez there. It, it pains me to see, but I'm I'm gonna gear up for some heartbreak. I think Frankie Edgar's gonna have a good first round. Uh, I think it's gonna look like the Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson fight, where we're like, hey, maybe he's back, and then he just gets chinned in the second round, and we all have a you know a nice wet pillow to go to bed to tonight from crying into it. So uh, <laughs> hopefully that's not the outcome, but that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm I'm picking uh, if I'm gonna take a bet on that fight. All right, so we'll do the uh, underdog pick real quick, the upset alert. Uh, for me personally, uh, we've been going back and forth on this, but uh, I think the, the the biggest underdog on the card has a decent chance in Molly McCann. Uh, you know, she has that like earth-shattering power at this weight class. She is fighting a much more proven fighter who has a much more well-rounded game in Aaron Blanchfield, so I will not be surprised if Blanchfield does win. I am picking her in my, in my betting slip. But uh, for my underdog alert, I'm going to go with Molly McCann to get it done. Uh, maybe even some, you know, uh, suede judging from the crowd that uh, the judges give it to McCann off of pop alone. And in a score scoring criteria that, uh, uh, you know, values damage more than anything, McCann might be able to get it done over three rounds. 
who you got for your upset alert? Yeah, man, I got to go with uh, my guy Ryan Spann coming up against Dominic Reyes. I know you said he had a long layoff, um, you know, well needed, but, you know, maybe he is coming up into this, what he's viewing as the tune-up fight is really Ryan Spann's coming out fight, fighting on the very edge of the preliminary, which kind of surprised me. I figured that he, Dominic Reyes would have at least made the main card yeah. for his return one being a, um, so that might show you know some hesitancy in the ufc to put him right back in the main event so i think i would put if i was going to put a fiver on a um on an underdog i would put it on ryan span you know getting it done and um spoiling dominic Reyes's uh comeback comeback party yeah man i mean if he does win if if span wins i i need to see reyes retire because uh, I think if he can't beat a guy like Span, he he should just hang them up. He's taken a lot of damage over these last couple of years, and uh, I thought that he won that John Jones fight, so he should be going down in the books as a champion. But it sucks that he's not. Um, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Span does get it done. So uh, I, I like that underdog pick for sure. But uh, yeah, so upset alert: I got McCann and Jordan's got Span, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, stay tuned for that betting slip. Um, regardless. We've got an awesome card, a send-off for Frankie Edgar, a super high-level main event and co-main event in uh, men's middleweight and women's strawweight, respectively. Uh, I'm really excited for this card. Uh, Hopefully, we can bring back that TKO record uh, back to the winning ways. We won last week, uh, but the week before that was a little rough, so hopefully we can get back to our uh, winning ways and you guys can make some money with us. Stay tuned for the next episode. Like I said, we're going to do that career retrospective on Frankie Edgar. Probably going to do a prospect watch maybe on Aaron Blanchfield after this one as well, depending on how her performance goes against McCann. Uh, either way, thank you so much for listening, y'all. Appreciate the support as always, and stay tuned for the next one. See you guys later. <laughs>